The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, KC will be picking second in tomorrow night's MLB draft. I'm excited for that. It's Davo. Glad you're along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players and break down the current Royals here on our dishes. And yes, the Royals will be picking second, as I said, tomorrow night. But unfortunately, the way things are going... Well, they could easily be picking second again next year, too, which is something I never, ever, ever would have imagined coming into the season. You heard me here on the dish with Royals insider Jake Lutz before the season, and, and I think Jake picked us to win 74. I think I picked the Royals to win 76. We both thought the Royals would be semi-competitive, make this an interesting summer into August at least. But, man, I never would have believed that by literally by May 1st the season would be over and that by June 1st you'd find the Royals this far below 500. Now, before we get into it here and talk about what's gone wrong, what's going on with this team, before we talk about some stats during the first third of the season, do want to remind you that hopefully you're following us by now or that you will at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. It's at Royals Clubhouse on the Twitter for our updates and our witty tweets. Uh, we do lots of current and former Royals interviews throughout the season year-round, so hopefully you're following us there to get all that at Royals Clubhouse. We're on Facebook as well. Not quite as active on the Facebook. And you can subscribe through iTunes as well on the website here. You can bookmark it, clubhouseconversation.com. So the Royals dropped three of four this weekend in Arlington, their last trip down to Arlington in that park. It's amazing how quickly some of these stadiums come and go. You look at Atlanta, you look at this one. I remember when the Royals played the last game there in Arlington. Was it 1993, I believe, right? Very end of George Brett's career, they were down there. In fact, I can even remember the Rangers pitcher who started that game, a guy named Steve Dreyer, a right-hander who pitched at Iowa State when they still had a baseball program. I have no idea how I remember that from 1993, but I do. And here we are, the end of another ballpark. Meanwhile, KC has this beautiful park. We're so lucky here. But, yeah, the Royals, their last trip down there to Texas, lose 3 of 4. They've now lost 9 of their last 11 including a 1-6 and six road trip. And this wasn't exactly the world's toughest road trip with the Rangers and White Sox either. The Royals sit at 19-40. and 40. This team is 21 games under 500 on June 2nd. Wow. 19-40. and 40. The Royals just one game ahead of Baltimore for the worst team in baseball. Don't know how this is possible. What is the problem with this team? Well, on this road trip in particular, it was obviously more so the offense than the pitching, right? Especially when you go to Texas, which is a hitter's paradise down there. And Texas, who has a bullpen worse than the Royals. The Royals, on this whole road trip, if you want to go back to Chicago and Texas, struck out 67 times in nine games. Nearly eight strikeouts a game. That's 67 times in nine games. Whew. I got to take a deep breath here because I'm about to get frustrated. Today, Adrian Sampson shut down KC. Adrian Sampson, a guy who's not quite on the level of David Hess bad. If you've never looked up David Hess's stats before from Baltimore, you should go do that. 
if you want a good laugh, and if you want proof that Baltimore has to be tanking, the only possible way David Hess is still on a major league roster is if Baltimore is, is tanking. Anybody with a beating heart and a right arm could, could pitch better that they that they have in even double A, I'm sure. For the Bowie Sox, is that still one of their teams, or is that that might be the Red Sox? I feel like Bowie used to be used to be. Or is it Bowie? No, that's the, the singer. Bowie for the for the Orioles. I think it feeds them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who's our AAA now? Rochester's the Twins, I believe. Now it used to be Baltimore. I don't even know who their teams are, but somebody in Double A AA or AAA for Baltimore. Go look up David Hess's numbers and just laugh that this guy is being thrown out there every five days. And that's the thing. This Royals team is not trying to tank. I've heard people say, oh, they're trying to tank. No, they are not trying to tank. They're trying to win. There's no way in hell this team's trying to tank. The Royals have much better players on this roster than the record indicates, too, and that's the sad thing. We're going to get into that. But let's talk about Adrian Sampson first. I got off track there talking about David Hess. So David Hess, by far the worst starter in Major League Baseball. Adrian Sampson, if you look at the advanced numbers, is a top 10 worst starter in MLB. He's one of the 10 worst in all of MLB afternoon game in a hitter's paradise. And the Royals against him today strike out 11 times in seven innings and get one run, including loading the bases with the seven, eight, nine hitters, and then the one, two, three hitters strand all three of them with two strikeouts and a little looping liner to third. Seven innings, one run, 11 strikeouts for Adrian Sampson. Let's go over some of his advanced metrics coming into this game today. Just because you're a masochist like me if you're listening to this right now, and you need something more to make you wallow. <laughs> your pity right now, right? Your shame. Adrian Sampson came in with a 5.38 XFIP. Okay, not good. Very bad. 5.38 XFIP. 47% hard contact rate against Adrian Sampson. 47% hard contact rate against Adrian Sampson. Right-handers had a 392 WOBA against this guy. That's weighted on base. 392 against him, and he was striking out just a little over six hitters per nine innings. 6.10 if he went nine. He struck out 11 and seven today and only gave up one run against the Royals. The team is just not hitting right now. Nine runs the entire weekend for the Royals in the hitter's paradise that is Texas. If you look at the overall numbers, I've been saying all year that I think this Royals offense is straight down the middle, like league average. I think if you look at 30 teams, and I think they'll probably end up right around 15 or in that 13 to 17 range, I think this really is a straight down the middle league average offense. It's kind of like the haves and have-nots in this offense. Like You've got above average half the order and way below average the other half of the order. The Royals, though, overall right now are just 21st in run scored. So obviously that's slightly below average right now the way they're playing with the last week or so compounding and knocking them down that far 21st and run scored in the big leagues for the Royals but you look at several individual players and you say how is this team 21st right because you look at Alberto Mondesi setting all sorts of records with combinations of triples and, and home runs and stolen bases especially for his position Hunter Dozier been mashing talk about hard contact this guy hits the ball hard about 49 percent of the time one of the tops in the big leagues. Whit Merrifield having another, I wouldn't say spectacular, but very good to borderline great year. He's he's, he's Whit Merrifield. He's, he's, he's exactly what you expected. He's having a very good year. Same with Dozier and Mondesi. Dozier, Dozier's having a great year. Mondesi's having, uh, yeah, a great year. Very good for Merrifield. Very good year for Gordon and a good year for Solaire. Not very good, but a good year for Solaire. He is pacing for well over 30 home runs. 
Now, speaking of Dozier, he's currently day-to-day with thorax tightness, which is the chest region. Me and everybody else had to Google that one. Never heard that one before. A thorax tightness. Hopefully he's back on Tuesday when the Royals open up the K against Boston. Martin Maldonado, forearm tightness. Hoping that's nothing big. That's a, that's a dreaded phrase for a pitcher. Hopefully for a catcher. It's not that big of a deal for him. And then, if you also want an update on me, I've got potential ulcers that put me day-to-day from watching this team every night. Good grief! Why did I think this team was going to be good? I really believed. I really was drinking the Kool-Aid. How are they this bad? Well, let's get to that. Pitching. The Royals rank 29th in Team ERA and baseball. The Royals 29th in Team ERA and baseball. So legitimately one of the worst staffs in the entire league. Although the bullpen, shockingly, has actually been league average the last month if you go back and look at the numbers. So uh, rotation-wise is where it's gotten really ugly for this team. It's kind of been role reversal. The rotation held up okay in April, and the, and the bullpen was a disaster. It's kind of been vice versa throughout the month of May here into very early June. And the bad thing about the rotation falling apart is if you look down on the farm, yeah, there's some guys down there that you'd probably rather see than Homer Bailey once August first hit August first hits if you can't get anything for him. At that point, maybe throw him in long relief. You know, maybe a Foster Griffin is mainly who I'm talking about. I used to be really intrigued about Trevor Oaks. I'm not sure what to think about that anymore. But I mean the the guys you're really, really interested in. Arnaldo Hernandez, by the way, is kind of taking a step back. A guy I really liked before the year, too. The guys, though, that are really going to come up here next in the rotation aren't really anybody who who figures to probably be a part of the next core guys that are coming up. Although a, a bit of the core is already here. You've got some of the core here in Dozier and Mondesi, possibly in Merrifield, possibly even Salvi to a degree. This could end up being a good year for him, a good thing for him to be off this year, actually. Rejuvenate those legs, buy him another year. So there's still guys here that are, are going to be a part of the next core. But I'm talking about pitching-wise. Um, Scott Blewett's another guy that could come up in the short term at some point. But most of those guys I just mentioned probably won't be around. And, and ditto with the majority of the guys in the rotation now. You'd like to hope that a Keller or a Junis could be around. As part of the next core, hopefully one of them at least, that would be a very a big boost. But most of the year for the rotation is, or most of the help, I should say, most of the help for the rotation is still a year to year and a half away. Your singers, your coars, your lynches. Hopefully he's okay after leaving early in the start yesterday. Your bubiches, your Zach hockeys. Um, you know, on and on and on with these guys. There's, there's so many great, spectacular young arms down there on the farm. The Royals have legitimately nine to eleven. Major League starting pitchers, potential, 9-11 to potential Major League starting pitchers down there at A-ball when you count high A and low A, Lexington and Wilmington. Realistically, and I guess double A with with, uh, Singer being there now. I would say about 10-11 to between Singer down to low low A and and high A. And, of course, the Royals will get another one or two of the draft tomorrow and the next day. So a lot of pitching help is on the way, but the problem is it's still a year, year and a half away. So... As far as the rotation, the way it is now, Danny Duffy's been anchoring this staff. He's been he's been pretty good overall, right? I mean, disappointing that he missed the first month of the season. Since he came back, he got roughed up, you know, by a long ball by Mr. Gallo of Texas, who doesn't get roughed up by him. Luckily, he didn't play today. 
But otherwise, Duffy's been good. I mean, he's been a league average number three starter with a 405 ERA through 40 innings. That'll play. That's fine. The problem is when that's your best starter by a comfortable margin, you're in big trouble. That can't be your best starter if you're going to have a, a, a successful season. After that, you've got Brad Keller pitching like a good number five starter. He's got a four five six after a very nice start today. Arguably his most impressive start of the day today in a tough hitter hitting atmosphere, or I should say tough pitching atmosphere, I should say. Tough pitching atmosphere down there in Texas. So a nice job by Keller today. Seven strong innings. But otherwise, besides Keller and Duffy, and, and I'm not saying either of those two have been great because they haven't, but they've been okay. I mean, Duffy's been on the upper end of average to, to, to pretty good, I guess. And Keller's been on the lower end of league average for what you expected out of him. But outside of that, it's been a disaster. Jake Junis, the most disappointing to me in this entire staff. 5-3-5 ERA, the XFIP and other metrics support that. So he legitimately is a 5-3-5 guy. A guy who I thought might be pitcher of the year for the Royals this year coming in. And he still could turn things around and end up with a mid-fours ERA and, and miss some more bats and get the control back under. Hopefully he will. It's, it's a guy I certainly still have some hope for in Junis. Between Junis and Keller, I still think Junis has the higher upside. Hopefully they both pan out and, and stick with this team long term. That's the hope. Homer Bailey, a guy that won't. He's got a 6.05 ERA. Outside of two outings has been really bad. Jorge Lopez, a 6.67. Ben Jettison's off to the pen now. Glenn Sparkman uh, remains to be seen. Probably not a major league starter in Glenn Sparkman, but perhaps somebody that could turn into a Jesse Chavez type guy and carve out a nice swing career, fireman type career as a long guy. Maybe, you know, somebody along the lines of what Scott Barlow has kind of turned into down the line, perhaps, if all goes well. The, the, the velo has jumped with Sparkman. There's definitely some intrigue there, so it'll be interesting to see how he does as he steps into the rotation. Hopefully we won't get any more hyper-aggressive umpires and throw him out on change-ups. It was ridiculous the other night in Chicago. Defensively, one good thing about this team is that they're tied with the Diamondbacks for the number one defensive fielding percentage in all of baseball. So the Royals, as Dayton Moore teams typically are, built on speed and defense. And that's true again this year. Fantastic defensively have been the Royals outside of one game. What was that game where they had the meltdowns? There's been two games. I'm sorry. There was a, a game. It was an afternoon game at home when Gordon missed his first cutoff man in like 20 years. And then there was like two errors on the infield. Who was that against? Those two homestands ago. And there was another game where they booted the ball around like four times. Outside of that, though, it's been like awesome. They've been great on defense this year. So it's a tip of the cap to the Royals on D. But if you look at it, it's a slightly below league average to borderline league average offense. Great defense, but just god-awful pitching. Now, should that be a 500 team, those ingredients? No. Should that be a team five games under 500? No. Should that be a team nine or ten games under 500? No. But should that be a recipe for this team to be 21 games under 500 on June 2nd? Hell no. There is no way in hell this team should be 21 games. Pardon my French. There is no way in heck this team should be 21 games under 500 on June the 2nd with... You look at some of the individual parts in this team. Like you, 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 I'm getting worked up. Deep breath. You look at Baltimore. Let's go through Baltimore and Miami, all right? Name me one plus offensive player on the Miami offense. You look at that lineup. What, Brian Anderson's your best hitter? Look him up. He's probably their best hitter. Baltimore, yes, has Trey Mancini. He's a stud. 
little bit of that's playing in Camden Yards, but his power and offense plays anywhere. But outside of that, there's not much there. Pitching-wise, Miami does have Caleb Smith. Miami's got a better rotation than the Royals have, actually, with Urena and Alcantara. Some of these guys aren't too bad. Baltimore's got David Hess and Dan Straley. <laughs> better than rotation. The one-two punch. I mean, uh, how? there's absolutely no possible way the Royals should be one game better than Baltimore. Baltimore throws David Hess out there every five days. They threw Dan Straley out there every five days for like a month. They have, like, two major league hitters. They have, like, Valara Mancini and that first baseman that matches lefties. What the hell is that guy's name? The DH. Renato Nunez, right? That they have, so they have two and a half hitters on the whole team and absolutely no pitching. Their bullpen's worse than the Royals. Baltimore should be way worse than the Royals. Miami's offense is the worst in Major League Baseball. Like, the worst. If the Royals are, like, a borderline league average, they're, like, dead last. Pitching, their bullpen's about the same as the Royals. Rotation-wise, they're better. But the Royals should be... Baltimore should by far be the worst team in baseball. Miami shouldn't be too far behind them. The Royals shouldn't even be the third worst team in baseball. I'm sorry. Detroit's not a better baseball team than the Royals. They, they shouldn't be. I'm talking about on paper and with common sense. This Royals team, if you ask me, is about probably the seventh or eighth worst team in baseball. Just because they can score runs, generally, or they were, and they can play defense, and they can run. But the speed hasn't been really any sort of advantage this year. It, it, I just Coming into the year, we heard the Royals were going to raise hell on the base pass. And some of that was probably they thought Chris Owings was going to be able to get on base and really add into that. Because you have seen Mondesi run every time he gets on base. But Merrifield's not running as much. We know he's been banged up a little bit and had some leg issues. Especially with moving around from the outfield back to the infield, back to the outfield. With Lopez coming up and, and so forth and so on. And getting Owings those at-bats moved him to the outfield more. And DHing Solaire, who's been a disaster defensively and struggles with the vertical jumps on balls that are an inch over the fence, but I digress on that. The guy's hitting, and I love him for that, and he's a core part of this rebuild, by the way. Nobody seems to think Solaire's a part of this rebuild. He is, by the way, I think. Anyway, the Royals should not be anywhere near this bad. So the problems are lack of talent, number one. Before we start saying, oh, it's Ned Yost, it's Cal Eldred. We'll get to that in a second. But lack of talent is number one, obviously. The pitching is deflating, especially early on when you blew so many games in the month of April. Well, the Royal, legitimately, the Royals should have six or seven more wins right now from April. Legitimately. That's not me figure of speeching it. That's that's like, that's not even, really, it could be more than that. I'm just saying, you, I, I didn't expect the Royals to win every time they were ahead in the seventh inning. But legitimately, they should have had six or seven more wins in the month of April. So... It's important to note that even if you had Earl Weaver, Tony La Russa, whoever you think is the best manager of all time, Trey Hillman, no, I'm just joking, whoever you think is the best manager of all time, though, could not guide this team to 500 the way it's constructed. And, and, and the roster has been questionably constructed, and that's fair to, to point that out. Lucas Duda on the opening day roster with Schwindel and O'Hearn and Gore? What? O'Hearn and Duda are kind of the same player. I mean... Ned Yost never really pinch hits, so when were you ever really going to pinch run for somebody? I don't know. Like the, Almost the whole lineup is outside of like Maldonado. I guess O'Hearn's slightly below league average runner, but you look up and down the order, there's not too many places to pinch run, so it never really, and you weren't going to make the playoffs, it never really made sense to me to carry a pinch runner. It still doesn't make sense to me to carry a pinch runner who's been picked off five times on the bases and made several errors on defense 
just you know running up for ground balls, having them go between his legs. Now, he has made, talking about Gore, some spectacular catches too, including one against the fence last series at home that saved the Royals some runs. And the night that he had three or four hits, he had a couple of spectacular catches there. So I'm not trying to downgrade him defensively, but the arm is is below average out there. He makes some basic mistakes, and he's getting picked off as a pinch runner. It just doesn't make sense really to carry him on the roster. I'd much rather see Bubba Starling up here at this point, even playing three times a week. What more does he have to prove at AAA? You've invested so much in him, you'd sell a few more tickets locally in a lost season. Let's get Bubba up here at some point. But Dave Obie's not the 40-man. If you looked at the 40-man lately, there's about five spots on there that could open up very easily for Bubba Starling or anybody else down there. So the roster construction's been questionable all year, but with the pitching regressing in most cases, I mean, how many pitchers on this team have really gotten better since last year? Keller's gone backwards. Judas has gone backwards. Early on, Tim Hill and Kevin McCarthy, two guys you thought would be a key part of the bullpen, couldn't find the strike zone. They've clearly gone backwards. Duffy is what he is. It doesn't really, I mean, he is what he is. I'm kind of thinking of this in terms of pitching coach. So I'm talking about the young guys regressing and not. Jorge Lopez has certainly regressed or not gotten any better. I mean, in small sample, Sparkman looks better. The Velo looks better. So the Royals deserve some credit for that if you're going to give them negativity for some of the other guys. But if you look up and down the pitching staff, guys that are at the peak of their career or or younger, really none of them have gotten better this year. And that's startling, and that's a problem. So I think it's fair to question the pitching coach, Cal Eldred, at this point in pitching philosophy. I'm not saying I'm not comfortable enough to say that you should make a move right now. I'm not saying that. But it's certainly fair to question uh, his future with the, with, the, with the organization. I also think that there appears to be, at times, a lack of focus and energy on the field, which, we've, which I mentioned a couple minutes ago, that one, those two games where we've had disaster defensive games. And today, coming out just swinging at everything against Adrian Sampson, bad pitch after bad pitch. Like, there's just, there's just, it, it doesn't appear, and I know, I know that winning creates energy. I get that. I know when you're losing, I know when you're losing games, nobody's having fun. I get that, okay? First of all, I understand that. I understand that that, that kind of comes along with winning, right? With that said, though, does this team really ever look like they're having fun out there? Ever? It's just, I don't, did, did losing Salvi hurt that much? Because remember, the Royals did lose arguably their, well, not arguably, their most important player. He is their most important player. During spring training, former World Series MVP, every year All-Star, et cetera, et cetera. You know who he is. And he, and he's, he was a big part of the fun. And perhaps the month of April is a bit different with less bullpen blowings, although I'm not going to bl- blame that on Maldonado because I don't think he even calls the pitches half the time anyways. But, I mean, I don't know. The energy and focus doesn't seem to be there. I think it's fair to start wondering how much longer Nedio should be manager of this ball club also. And again, I'm not calling to fire him. I don't think it's time right now. I don't think it's appropriate. I think Nedio should be able to retire. He's earned that right. He's the winningest manager in Royals history. He'll have his number retired as statue. I'm not saying he should be fired or anything like that, but I, I do think it's time to question how much longer you should stick with the current on-field coaching staff because we're four years removed from the World Series. The Royals are going to lose 100 games two years in a row, and next year you're going to start having some of the guys from your quote-unquote next core joining the current core coming up, some of your your arms, like I mentioned. Next June, July, you could expect some of these guys to start coming up. 
So wouldn't you want the next manager to be with them at some point? Don't you want that fresh energy at some point? But the thing is, I kind of feel like Ned Yost isn't going to just like retire at the end of the year and say, okay, that's it. I, I feel like the Royals will announce it and say he's going to manage one more year. So I think we get Ned one more year. That's my prediction is he's back for 2020, steps aside, and then somebody new takes over in 2021. Now, should a new pitching coach join him next year? We'll talk about that as the year goes on. Let's let's not go there quite yet. Let's see what happens. We still have two-thirds of the season left, and and some guys can still turn it on. Nice job, for example, by Kellogg today. Maybe that continues. Maybe Junis turns a corner. Certainly does no good to make changes right now, and I'm not calling for that right now. But it's at least worth talking about. Now, I, I think going forward, this is the last year that the losing like this is acceptable. I mean, it's never acceptable, but this is the last year where you can just kind of, you know, say, whatever, we won the World Series, the future's bright, okay, whatever. This sucks, I'm frustrated, getting dominated by Justin Verlander or Adrian Sampson. I mean, it stinks, but, uh, you know, it's okay. But starting next year, this culture needs to start getting better because you got to have guys coming up into a decent culture. And that's why I wouldn't be totally opposed to starting over with your new manager, whoever that's going to be next year getting some of that fresh energy in the clubhouse in 2020. I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't be totally against it. But I, I do think it's important to note that next year you're five years away from the World Series. So you can't keep saying, well, that's the price you paid from winning the World Series. No, five years later you should not be losing 90 or 100 games. That's not acceptable. People keep saying, well, but you sold, you know, you're sold to win the World Series. You gave away the farm. Did we, though? Who did the Royals give away in 2015 in a trade that's making any difference at the major league level. Sean Manaya threw a no-hitter and is missing this year because of the injury. He would be one, right? Who else? Cody Reed, barely in the league. Brandon Finnegan, not in the league. I mean, you go through the rest of these guys. Aaron Brooks, no. Aaron Brooks is Jorge Lopez. I mean, the Royals gave away one player of note in 2015. People act like they gave away the whole farm. None of these guys did anything. None of these guys would be helping the Royals except for Manaya had he not gotten hurt. The one that hurts was 2016 when you traded Matt Strom and Estari Ruiz to the Padres and, and, and a trade that the Royals got completely hosed in that trade. That might go down as one of the worst trades in modern baseball by the time it's over. I hope, well, I don't know. I, I actually kind of hope it does because I like Matt Strom. We've interviewed him. He's a great kid. I want, I want him to do well. And Astari Ruiz looks like he's going to be a stud. So in a way, I kind of hope it does go down as one of the worst because I like those guys. So it will go down as a bad trade, though, no matter what. Right? Nothing in me is bad, though, is that Padres trade. Or not the Padres. The, the Pirates trade with the Rays. Giving away Glass now and Meadows. <laughs> Chris Archer. What What were they thinking? Giving away one of those guys, let alone both of them. Oh, wow. Anyway. I think it's important to note that the Royals really didn't give away the farm to win in 2015. I mean, they, they did. They gave away a lot of guys. But my point is none of them would have helped the Royals this year outside of Manaya if he was healthy. The one that hurt was 2016 when Dayton decided, even though most people agreed the window had passed. And, and I, I was one that was for the trade at the time, by the way. If you go back and look, I was, I was excited about Dayton making that trade for the three Padres pitchers. But Dayton didn't have to make that trade. The Royals were in the playoffs, though, by two games when that trade was made at the season ended. So I think it was the right move. But don't act like that was because of 2015. The title didn't sacrifice our farm system. If anything, 2016 sacrificed the farm system because you give away a potential six- to eight-year stud starting pitcher in Strom. And then, of course, Estrella Ruiz could be a franchise-type shortstop. Could be. He's a prospect. He's a long ways away. And the Royals had their franchise shortstop in Mondesi. But I'm just saying, 
That's the one that hurts. That It wasn't the 2015. The Royals did not sell their soul to win in 2015. If anything, they sold their soul to miss the playoffs in 2016. Now, last two quick things. People have been asking me at Royals Clubhouse who the Royals are going to take in the draft. It's going to be Witt, obviously, at number two. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's not going number one to Baltimore, though Baltimore do, did hire Witt's uncle about eight months ago. Shout out to my second cousin, Aaron Schunk, who will be getting drafted probably in the third round. Georgia third baseman relief pitcher, Aaron Schunk. Shout out to him. Hopefully the Royals take him. That'd be awesome. His parents and his entire family is from Omaha. Grew up Royals fans. And then the other question is I've been getting people saying, you know, these articles, are, are the Royals really going to open to trade everybody? I mean, I think the Royals and every team are pretty much always open. I mean, people make their living by clickbait and by posting articles and starting rumors. That's how, There's a big interest in that. People subscribe. People want that. People you know, Are the Royals on June 2nd just going to fire sale? No. The Royals believe they're not that far from winning at the major league level. And I kind of believe them in a way. Because like I said, that offense has some pieces. If they stay healthy, let's say you add one bat in free agency this winter. Or maybe you make one trade before the deadline this year. The, the guys that could be traded, Deakman's going to get traded. That outing today wasn't a, a, wasn't a good thing. And it makes you wonder if there are people that are looking today, by the way. It seemed kind of odd. Barlow had just come in the game, had a ground out, a strikeout, a single, and a stolen base, and they pulled him right away. I know there were lefties coming up, and Deakman hasn't had any work, and there's an off day tomorrow. But I don't know. You always wonder if they're just showcasing him for somebody. Anyway, it didn't really help his – not that it really mattered because people know what you have at that point, and he's been tremendous, one of the better relievers in baseball the last five weeks in Deakman. He'll certainly be dealt for something. What will you get back for him? Think Blake Perkins. Something like that. But, you know, the Royals got a couple of pieces back for Herrera. That He's not quite that valuable. But you would think you would get one nice piece. Not a good piece. A nice piece back uh, for Diekman. For a while there, I thought Homer Bailey might bring back a nice piece. That ship has sailed. Diekman's going to get traded. You might get something for him. Who else on this team? Merrifield would. I don't see the Royals trading him. Should they? Probably. Especially because you have Nicky Lopez you can plug in at second base. You've got Gabe Cancel that can play over there down in the minor leagues. You've got multiple guys at AAA that I like that could come up for a while. Eric Mejia. I love my boy Jerickson Flores down there. Jerickson Flores down there. But I don't know. To me, it's Diekman, it's Merrifield, Boxberger's been a lot better, too. He could, he could fetch you a little bit, maybe a Paul Orlando-type prospect back for him. When the Royal, remember the Royals dealt Horacio Ramirez, turned him into Paulo Orlando back in the day? I don't see the Royals trading any of these core pieces. Dozier's not going anywhere. I don't think Gordon's going anywhere because of the money and the fact that he wants to be a Royal for life. I don't see that happening. Mondesi sure as hell ain't going anywhere. And the Royals aren't trading any of their prospects in the minor leagues. I mean, who else would you really think would have a lot of value that the Royals would be willing to trade in this team? There's not too much else. Probably just those two or three. Both of those relief pitchers I mentioned for sure. And then possibly Merrifield. Now, Merrifield could get you a coup. He could get you some good prospects. That, that's somebody I think you have to trade. Or not have to trade. Okay. Rephrase. That's somebody you have to consider trading if the offer is right, for sure. If you get back two really nice pieces... Like one top 100 guy and a couple other nice pieces for him, you got to do it. When you've got enough infielders in the minor leagues and, and, you, and when you're where you are. Because by the time the Royals are competing for the playoffs, Merrifield's going to be in the last year or two of this deal. And you're going to have enough guys on the infield, you know, in theory, where that's an expendable place for you. So 
there you go. You've also got Kelvin Gutierrez down there, and Dozier can move around. And I mean, there's just so many there's so many options. You could DHL Hearn, keep him at first, or if he doesn't work out, you can move Gutierrez to third and Dozier to first. And then you've still got Mondesi, and and you've still got Lopez, and you've still got Mejia and Flores and. Artiaga. There's just so many pieces I feel like the Royals would be okay if they could get a, a stud haul back for Merrifield. Don't think they'll do it, but it'll be interesting to see. All right, that's it. About a half an hour. Thanks for sticking with us here on another edition of your dish. I try to do these every two or three weeks. Sometimes it ends up being like a month, and I apologize about that. Sometimes I just get so depressed. <laughs> it's, it's tough to talk about it. But but do keep it here because we do our interviews a few times a month. We have current and former Royals joining us right here on Clubhouse Conversation. I hope you enjoy our interviews. would love to hear from you and talk Royals baseball at, at any time. So hit me up on the Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse. If, if you're old school, email is Dave O, D-A-V-E-O, at Clubhouse houseconversation.com. Have yourself a great night. Be interesting to see the Royals take on the draft, and we'll talk to you soon.